We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. The CV, CV Report. TPS Report. The CV Report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. <laughs> Sucky. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's just a Nissan Frontier, but in my mind, this thing's an M1 Abrams tank. Honey, take the wheel. I'm going to stick my head out of the sunroof. Look, any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The CV Report. Welcome to the CV Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And the CV Report is powered by Entercom's ConnectingVets.com, the news and lifestyle website for military veterans all over the world. Today's episode will be partially dedicated to love. Yes, Valentine's Day is upon us and love is in the air. Well, for some anyway. (laughs) For others, the day just kind of sucks. So to satisfy those on either side of the aisle, we'll hear about the surprising veteran roots of the crooner who's helped couples get in the mood for over four decades. And for vets who are single, we'll take a Tinder test drive and see who's likely to find love and who's going home alone. I think that if you exercise the level I want you to exercise at, I'm going to be able to see that in your photos without seeing the nipples of your muscle tank. And then we'll hear from Fisher House and how their mission to spread love to veterans and their families as they get medical treatments is growing even larger with two new locations. But first, let's take a look at some of the headlines that are grabbing the attention of vets nationwide. And as always, here to talk about headlines with us is ConnectingVets.com reporter and the General's daughter, Miss Libby Howe. Good afternoon to you, ma'am. Hi, Phil. What do you got here in the headlines? I, we saw some vet-centric news kind of breaking this week. So first, we've got officials said Wednesday that Fort Bragg soldiers will be deployed to the southern border. Hmm. Lieutenant Colonel Michael Burns said the deployment is part of an increased military presence at the border, and he expects to announce how many troops will be deployed on Friday. Now, that's troops. That's not National Guard. So these are active duty military, right? Right. Fort Bragg is interesting. Do you feel me on why that's kind of interesting? They're coming from Bragg and not, you know... Why not North Dakota or, or Fort Bliss or something? Because that's where the special people are, right? Yeah. I mean, it's home of the 82nd Airborne and home of the Special Operations Forces. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think, you know, you're going to find Rangers there. You're going to find Green Berets there. You're going to find, you know, the tip of the spear kind of ass kicking machines. You don't think that's who they're going to send down to the border, though, do you? No, probably not. But I did think for a second that that would be a good idea, because if you are trying to heighten border security or you are trying to say, I don't know, cast a a shadow of fear across the international line there, could you imagine our borders being guarded by special forces and huge tanks and 50 cals? 
steely-eyed, special force-trained badasses. I mean, that would just be men and women with eagle eyes, sharpshooter abilities, just dying to squeeze some rounds downrange and looking for a reason. <laughs> I do think this was a flex because it's coming shortly after certain governors pulled their National Guard troops away from the border mission. Yeah. So I know New Mexico did, and I think one other state also recently pulled those. So I think this is kind of a... This is a, well, we don't need your National Guard people because we're sending the big boys from Bragg. Yeah. yeah. It seems kind of like a flex. No. I'm telling you, some TV time and some commercials made with like Blackhawks and Apaches flying 20 feet above the desert floor and all this hardware and military might just standing there ready to receive those that would come here and do wrong. That message might make them think twice. I don't know. So you should be on our on our national security board in the government, Phil. You make wise decisions here. I really could. I could make great disinformation campaigns. All right, what else you got? Uh, so there was a ex-U.S. intelligence officer was charged in an Iranian espionage case. This is Monica Witt. She defected to Iran in 2013 and has now been charged with revealing classified information as well as research about her former colleagues to representatives of the Tehran government. Wow. Did you read into any of the other reporting that's been done out there in the news sphere? Did you read a little bit about what she'd done? My brother and my brother-in-law are both intel officers in the Air Force, as Monica Witt was. And I'm wondering, my brother and my brother-in-law don't seem like the type of people that have very important information so i'm wondering what type of info was she feeding right to the government and what were who were these intel colleagues that she was kind of handing over from what i gathered she had actually attended a couple conferences i'd read that colleagues had told her be careful that they don't try to turn you and then she had gone back subsequently like a year later and this might be 2013 or something Um, And she'd gone back for yet another conference. And my big question is, what do they offer you, a red-blooded Yankee Doodle Dandy American, to defect? I mean, even if you've got low-level intelligence you're looking to shop, what the hell? Why would you join that team? That team sucks. I mean, right? Am I I missing something about the Iranian experience? So... What were those conferences? Because this could be another case of that Russian guy who just really liked Russia for whatever reason and ended up wrapped up in that whole spy charge and they detained him. Maybe she just weirdly had some strange thing with, like, I don't get people who have weird things for Russia. Russia seems like a... Yeah, like a weird place to a fancy. weird place, yes. And yeah. the same way that Iran does. So maybe maybe this was a similar case where they found some American who had a weird affinity for their country and decided, hey, maybe we don't have to because you could not give me anything right? short of maybe like Chris Helmsworth or Chris Evans to get me to defect to Iran and do anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That seems like a tough, tough bill to fill. But if you find some quirky American who has a predisposed affinity for your country. And again, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beer holder. I mean, maybe she did have that affinity for Iran. But to look at her, you know, unlike the guy in Russia who wants to come back to America and it says he's being wrongly accused, she's straight bailed, wants to be there, yeah. has defected, and is pictured now, you know, with the hijab on and looks to be like, like, like that's where she wants to be. She's a, I'll just call it bluntly, she's a white girl from Texas. Right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known that just I mean, looking at her look picture. At the picture from the hijab, you would not know that. Yeah. But when you see her in her Air Force uniform, 
She's Yankee Doodle Dandy, man. Mm. I don't know how. I mean, they, they must be offering her like a mansion, a yacht. Um, Chris Helmsworth. Chris Helmsworth. <laughs> I don't know, but whatever they're giving her, it it it, uh, it was enough for her to make an eternally bad decision. And uh, man, I feel bad if they ever find her because uh, justice is going to have a real sting to it that day. <laughs> All right, let's kick off the love portion of the podcast with a fun fact. Just blocks from where I'm recording this right here, right now in Washington, D.C. is a neighborhood called Columbia Heights, and that is where Marvin Gaye grew up. Marvin Gaye attended D.C.'s Cardoza High School back in the day and began singing in church where his father was a preacher. While Marvin Gaye's father was a preacher at a Pentecostal church known as the House of God, His home life was less than inspiring. It consisted often of brutal whippings that his father took out on him for any shortcoming. That troubled upbringing made Marvin Gaye want to leave home at the age of 17, and he turned to the U.S. Air Force, which he enlisted in in 1956. Now, the military and the veteran aspect of our story, well, it wraps up quite quickly. <laughs> Marvin Gaye didn't really care for the military lifestyle, and according to his biography, he faked a mental illness and was discharged shortly afterward. But lucky for music fans, Gaye didn't make a career out of the Air Force, as he went on to record the legendary hits like How sweet it is to be I heard it through the grapevine. Grammy Award winner, Sexual Healing. And the song whose first two notes let you know something about to happen. The legendary love-making classic, Let's Get It On. Today, we thank Marvin Gaye for his brief service to the U.S. Air Force, and we thank him for his lifetime of dedication to helping America fall in love. All right, it is Valentine's Day. It is the day of love, a dia de amour, right? And uh, not feeling it and sitting across from me still in the studio, ConnectingVets.com reporter Libby Howe. You want me to? No, I am not. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Married people and people in relationships can have whatever day they want. It's Thursday. It's just a Thursday if you're single, ready to mingle. And you're not really celebrating today. I get it. I was there. You know, when I was a single guy, I think oftentimes I looked on the bright side and said, you know, it's a day that is being cost effective because I'm not spending money on any certain someone. But you're, you're right. This holiday can make you feel a little lonely, can make you feel a little estranged and seems, you know, like kind of a waste, right? I mean, if you're not... It's a dumb holiday. It, it's, a, it, it's a dumb holiday unless you're selling greeting cards or chocolates, flowers pretty dumb holiday but to that let's help people let's do us a public service you know let's try to let's try to help people to try to hook it up here on valentine's day and the veteran community is certainly um 
you know, comprised of a lot of young men that are looking for love, shall we say, right? Yes. Yeah, young yeah. men and young women. I mean, I don't mean to be gender specific, but 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 me telling you that a lot of guys get out of the army and the navy and the marine corps and air force um, unmarried, and they're looking to establish families. So, how do we do that? Well, we use Tinder, right? Isn't that the kind of the isn't that the the group meeting hall for the new millennium now? Is that where everybody's going? Tinder? I don't I don't know if it's that socially acceptable still, but yes, most people are on or have been on. Tinder. Yeah. Swiping right, swiping left, looking for the hookup. All right. Well, I want your take on it because me, I'm an old married guy. I don't know know nothing about Tinder and I've never used it, but I do know this. It starts the same way so much of social media does. And that's what like a profile picture, right? Right. So we looked up a couple profiles of people that are veterans and I want you to kind of get into this with me and describe for me what you're seeing. And we'll just call the first guy. um, We'll call him Todd. Okay. Okay. Describe for me, Todd, and how you look at him on Tinder's profile and tell me what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong. So Todd's Todd actually did a pretty good job because his first picture, and this is a matter of opinion. Okay. Right. So maybe a civilian girl feels differently about this. Right. Right. You'll find out. But the his first picture is not him in uniform. It's like his third picture is him in uniform. Oh, okay. And his job is marine, right? But his profile is him with a beer, him running a marathon, him in a nice suit, him in uniform, him with family. It's not his entire profile is not hey look I'm a marine. Ah, okay. Which I appreciate. And he's got his Instagram linked and you can see he has other hobbies and he his bio has information like he likes to golf and he's in grad school right now. So there's there's just more to him than I'm a Marine. And he's a Marine. Like most Marines are kind of like, I'm a Marine and that's all they are. No offense. But Right, 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 right. And you're saying from the woman's perspective, don't be so one dimensional. Show me some more stuff. Show me some more pictures and don't lead with you and, you know, the camo and the gun. It's the same thing that we talk about a lot with veteran culture, that there are a lot of veterans who have built their entire identity around four years of service. Right. And regardless of if I'm trying to be your friend or I'm trying to hire you or I'm trying to date you or I'm trying to marry you and have your children and live with you for the rest of my life, (laughs) I don't want your entire identity to be one dimensional. My identity is not one dimensional. Your identity is not one dimensional. Don't portray yourself on dating apps as one dimensional. Let's take a look at a profile that's not doing so well, a profile that you're finding a couple faults with, and we'll call this guy... Um, random dude named uh, Steve. Okay, so Steve, his first picture is him with, I don't know if you can identify this weapon. You probably can. I can't identify this weapon, but it's it's him in uniform with oh, a big yeah, man. gun. That's the, oh, that's the long gun. That's the 762. Yeah. Yeah, he's laying down some fire. So you like that. that. You would swipe right on that, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't want to date Steve, right. but I can appreciate his gun. I mean, so his, his first picture. Wait, a minute, wait, that just sounded bad. <laughs> okay, go on. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna keep going with that. <laughs> you know him and his second picture, him in uniform. Oh, there we go again. Yeah, yeah, he's got. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's First, got- and by the way, mirror selfies. Regardless of what you're wearing, what you're doing, who you are, mirror selfies don't help. Neither do car selfies. Why? Why don't mirror selfies or car selfies help? I do mean- you not go out and do things and have friends and talk to people enough that there are pictures of you that you have not had to take by yourself in an isolated location? Huh. So a woman's reading all that into 
that photo. And females do it too. Also, it's whatever picture you took in the mirror is very planned and posed and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know what you're doing. Same thing with car selfies and females do it too. Females have a lot of car selfies. That's a thing. But if your profile has a mirror selfie or a car selfie, you don't do enough things. You don't have enough friends to have candid, casual, normal photos mm. and whatever you look like in that mirror selfie, you planned it. Yeah. Such subtle differences to the approach, but such huge results, right? I mean, like you'll either get some attention or you're just going to be going home alone to take more mirror selfies <laughs> with nothing but a phone in one hand and some tissues and lubriderm in the other gross <laughs> okay to the older gentlemen and the older people looking for love um i'll say this i see this a lot with my age category because you know obviously we're a couple decades apart I'm in my 40s. <laughs> and i see a lot of people that are putting up the bearded tatted version of themselves out of the gym I see a lot of guys doing that and I'm always like, I know what kind of bro I'm going to meet when they're all gym rat selfies and pictures of how, you know, yoked they are. What is that? What do gym pictures or muscle pictures mean for you? There, so I consider myself a very physically active human. Oh, yeah. You know, you're rock climbing all the time, right? Right. Very, very athletic, very into personal fitness. So I want to see that you work out. I think that if you exercise at the level I want you to exercise at, I'm going to be able to see that in your photos without seeing the nipples of your muscle tank. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's, the same thing goes for girls, girls that post pictures of them in the gym. It's like, I should be able to see your muscle tone in everyday life without you having to show off like, Hey, here's me squatting. Right. 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 And the same thing goes for guys. And I, um, who's taking those pictures for you is always my question when you have like Oh, good point. Yes, and is it, is it, who, what, who is standing around in the gym recording you? Are we to assume that these mistakes that the men are doing equally wrong for the women? I think so. I, and I, I have not perused the female options on Tinder or any of the other dating apps, but my brother and I talk a lot and he's, he's in the same place as me and he'll show me a lot of profiles and it's the same mistakes. It's a lot mm. of it's gym selfies and it's car selfies and it's using the office as a replacement for having an actual personality and mm, right. all those types of same mistakes that females are making with women. And we'll wrap it here. But with women, um, what about hypersexualized pictures? Like you, you know what I'm talking about? There are, there are moments girls get or certain angles they take that really rev up the attention factor on that picture. But is that in the long run a mistake because you're just bringing about Guys looking for, you know, the quick kind of hookup instead of maybe something more. If that's what you're looking for, like my pictures on my Tinder profile are different from my pictures on my Hinge profile. Because Hinge, there's an understanding that people are there for more than hookups. Oh, okay. And Tinder, there's an understanding that people just kind of really want to hook up. Really? So Tinder's like ill freaky nana, bounce chicka, bounce bow, huh? Yeah, so Hinge is for adults. Oh. And Tinder is what adults keep hidden in their iPhone folders deep down with the notifications turned off. <laughs> and I don't think that's just me. I'm pretty sure most people hide their Tinders. But yeah, it, there's there's different different types of pictures work different types of jobs on different apps. I've learned so much in this segment already. Libby Howe, you are always interesting. Always a pleasure to have in the studio. And uh, good luck. I want you to go out today and realize it's like a lottery ticket that has not been scratched. Everything that happens after 4 p.m. today could be one step closer to love. And you know I'm recommending Applebee's. I have a dentist appointment. I don't think you're going to find love there. No. <laughs> Thank you, Libby. Thanks, so. though.
All right, we're talking about love today and an organization who has shown love for military veterans and families for generations now is the Fisher House Foundation. And the Fisher House builds comfort homes where the military and family members can stay for free of charge while a loved one is in the hospital. With over 70 Fisher House locations across the country and Germany and the UK, it recently expanded again. And here to talk to us about it is the chairman, Ken Fisher. How are you, sir? I'm well, Phil. How are you? Really good. And uh, as we were just chatting, it's, it's amazing the work you guys do. It's very apropos. In fact, we're talking on Valentine's Day. Yes, it is. You know, it's it's the the love of, of the families uh, is probably the single greatest healing factor. Uh, by the way, not just for our military and our veterans, but for anybody. Uh, and so, a family's love can be the best medicine of all, and that's kind of our motto at Fisher House. Well, I certainly know it's what keeps me going, and um, frankly, I think a lot of us men can agree that without the love of our wives, even, we wouldn't get much done. And having them present, having those family members present, uh, when we need them the most, when we're undergoing some kind of medical procedure that can be just flat-out frightening, really means the world. Talk to me about now where this expansion's going. Well, we're going to open up our 80th house in Palo Alto over the weekend. And in May, we're going to be opening two Fisher houses in the Bronx. Uh, And this is something that's uh, near and dear to my heart because uh, the Bronx uh, in New York City is where I was born. So uh, it's an interesting story because the the original uh, VA list that we had been given uh, called for a house to be to be built in Brooklyn. And that was where my uncle Zachary, who founded the foundation, uh, was born. Uh, And that was taken off the list. And I was a little upset about it because I really wanted to honor Zach that way by building a Fisher house in the borough that he was born in. And when the Bronx came up, I said, well, you know, this is probably kind of poetic justice because at least there will be Fisher houses in New York City. I just never imagined they would be in the Bronx. Why is New York so significant? Statistically, I, I, I see and have read that there are 375,000 some people that would be in the veteran community around there. But talk to me about why the, why the Bronx VA in particular is critical to have a Fisher House supporting it because of the unique work they do there. Yeah, they, they do. And I really didn't know about it until uh, the presidential commission that I served on under President Bush uh, I learned a little bit about what they were doing at the Bronx VA, and and as I started to get more involved in in the planning of these Fisher houses, I really learned it's amazing what they're doing in the Bronx. Just the spinal cord injury uh, care, kidney transplant, and dialysis, uh, robotic surgery, amputee, polytrauma, and traumatic brain injuries. It's just an amazing facility, and as you said, almost 300,000 veterans live in New York. There are three uh, three VAs in New York City, one in Brooklyn, one in Manhattan, and one in the Bronx. But the work they're doing in the Bronx is the one where I think more and more people are going to go to uh, to get care. When you go there, you, you, you get a sense for it because you see... Uh, you see the, the various injuries as you're walking in, and, you know, I, I just can't tell you how thrilled I am to play just a small role in, in helping veterans, especially here in the Bronx. You know, the smiles and the look of awe that they have because they, they can't believe that they're going to be staying in something that really is a home. 
Um, that's right. probably unique, and that happens because of the way you've architecturally designed these home away from homes. Tell me a little bit about what they experience. They obviously have their own private bedrooms, but then what else is the makeup of these facilities? Yeah, well, you know, the common areas are really the, the common bonding areas that they, and, and, and it's, it's important. Because when you go to a hotel, you close the door behind you, and that basically ends your contact with humanity, unless you're online or you're on TV, whatever. But sometimes, you know, it's very, very healing to be around people, families, uh, that are going through a similar circumstance than you are. So the houses are laid out to kind of foster this kind of a feeling. So when you walk into the house, you turn to the right, you go in, there's a formal seating area where they can just sit and talk and, and, and kind of decompress. To the left is the, is the dining room. And the families, as I say, will sit together and then they'll eat together. Uh, the kitchen is obviously the, uh, probably the, the, uh, the center of the universe because everybody's going to find their way to the kitchen at one time or another. Amen, yeah. But the families, right, it's, but the families will, you know, will, will prop each other up if one has to run over to the hospital because they're all in walking distance, which is very important. But if they have to run over to the hospital, uh, another family will cook their meal for them or, or wrap it up and put it in the fridge or do their laundry for them. So it really becomes not only a bonding place, but a place where families can experience uh, these, these situations together. They know they're not alone. And that, that in, in so many ways, is where the healing begins for the families. Uh, while their loved one is in the hospital healing, at least they have a place where they can heal. Mm, amen. And that is so true. There are tens of thousands of families right now that have experienced uh, that healing benefit that you've provided. Before we ring off, I'd be remiss if I just didn't ask, from its humble roots, can you give me just a real quick version about where Fisher House was born and how your family started it? Yeah, it was... It actually started, you know, again, New York-centric. It started with the USS Intrepid. When my uncle uh, found out that the Intrepid was going to be decommissioned and scrapped, uh, he thought it was a piece of history that needed to be preserved. So he essentially bankrolled, you know, the Intrepid coming to New York, made a deal with, uh, with then-Mayor Koch, uh, formed a public-private partnership. And after he had done that, he wanted to do more. He was so enamored with the whole concept of, honoring military that now he wanted to do something for families and uh the pauline trost uh the wife of then chief of naval operations uh, carlisle trost uh called zach and told him about this this need that there was a need for families to stay uh in a place that was affordable and nice while their loved one was receiving treatment because there really wasn't anything uh, around and Zach said, you know what, I'm a builder. I can get an architect and I can build a house. And that's as simple as it was. The, the founding of Fisher House is, is just a simple story that was born from an absolutely underappreciated and, you know, underappreciated need that not many people ever focused on. It was where these families stay. Uh, and so if we... You know, I think what Zach would be proud of is that we've expanded the foundation and we've done so responsibly. But I think Zach would be proud that that uh, that we have brought the the plight of the military family to light, not just through Fisher Houses 
but through our involvement in the Warrior Games and the Invictus Games, which um, which we brought to America, uh, and it was just the need to to make people aware that you know we were we became very good at honoring our soldiers. Um, you know, after nine eleven, it was not uncommon to walk up to a soldier and and thank him or her for her for their service. Mm-hmm. But I think. That concept, while very nice, is just not enough. And I think, uh, thank you for your services. Vietnam veterans never heard that. Uh, and it's a great thing, but it's not enough anymore. And Fisher House is going to continue to play a role uh, in the families, um, the healing process, both from the family and from the veteran or service member. And we're gonna we're gonna keep going as though thank you for your service is not enough because it's not. Amen. We'll leave it right there because I I, I have to say you've really captured the epitome of what it's about and having interviewed hundreds of veterans myself over the course of these last couple years I can say that taking it to that next level is exactly what the Fisher House Foundation embodies. It's it's more than a catchphrase. You guys live it. You guys breathe it. Fisher House has kind of come full circle now. It really has. Full circle with yeah. the Intrepid being on the Hudson just outside Manhattan to uh, the facilities in the Bronx. Ken Fisher, I appreciate what you guys are doing from the bottom of our hearts and it's just so perfect for Valentine's Day that we talk about the love that you share to the veterans and the families that need it. Thank you, Phil. And I thank you for listening to this episode of the CV Report. If you have a news story or something you'd like us to look into or discuss, you can email me, phil at connectingvets.com. You can find us everywhere podcasts exist, from Apple to Google to Stitcher. And you can find a brand new world of on-demand content by downloading the Radio.com app. You'll find us there under Connecting Vets. And no matter where you get it, do us a favor, click subscribe and like so we can always update you every time the new episodes drop. In the meantime, I'll be looking for new stories and I hope you're feeling the love. And we'll talk again on the next episode of the CV Report. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.